Our gospel lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Weren't ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of God for the people of God. God. Amen. A few months ago, I walked into a coffee shop on a Friday night and regretted it immediately. Because in the corner of the dining area, there was a guy with a guitar. And usually I'm perfect, perfectly fine with the guy with the guitar that coffee shops pay to entertain people on Friday nights. I've been the guy with the guitar in the coffee shop. My friends are guys with guitars and coffee shops. But the thing with guys with guitars at coffee shops is that they tend to play the same list of songs over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> And that Friday evening, I wandered in just in time to hear the most overplayed guy with a guitar in coffee shop song on the planet. By the way, after the 845 service, I realized that there's a lot of debate as to what this song might be, so I'll just leave it to your imagination. It wasn't Wagon Wheel, though. Okay. But it was, it was an overdone song, it was an overdone setting, and the entire scenario just seemed like this tired-out routine ritual. Except this guy seemed really into this overplayed song. And he had a huge smile on his face while he was singing and looking out into the audience. And from where I was standing, I couldn't see the audience he was playing to, but for the amount of joy and energy he was throwing into this song, I thought it had to be a crowd. And so I peeked around the corner to get a look at the crowd, and it was exactly one person. One. I counted. (laughs) Twice. And what's more than that is that it was obvious that it was just the guy's girlfriend because she had a pile of CDs in front of her to sell to the rest of the no people who were there. But she looked at him and sang along like he was an absolute rock star. And he looked at her like she was the only woman in the crowd, which was convenient because she was. And he played that song that was so overdone it made me cringe like it was the first time anyone played it. The entire thing was too saccharine and gooey and romantic for me, so I just paid for my coffee and left immediately. But there was something really beautiful about this. Because you just knew that this guy probably played to a crowd that was just his girlfriend just about every weekend. And she listened to him play the same already tired songs just about every weekend. But in spite of the fact that this was a ritual that could really grind two people down, They just looked so grateful to be there. 
And when I got back to my car, I couldn't help but put that song on even though I can't stand it and sing along on the way home. This morning in our gospel lesson, we find Jesus traveling through a village and suddenly ten lepers call out to him saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's worth noting that the lepers were shouting because they had to shout. Lepers were required to keep their distance from people in case they were contagious. In fact, there were all sorts of rules that people with these sorts of skin diseases were required to follow. If you read through the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, you find that they had to wash certain ways with certain types of water, depending on what color their rashes were, where they were, whether or not they had hair on them. So the fact that they're approaching Jesus, but also at the same time making sure they keep their distance, it shows that they're familiar with these rules and requirements. So Jesus yells back to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Now, this is one of those things that sounds weird to us, but when you put yourself in the first century mindset, it doesn't solve the problem. In fact, it gets even weirder. So for starters, this whole show your skin disease to the priest thing sounds weird for modern readers. I know it does for you because never once has anyone ever showed up to my office saying, Jeff, you need to see this thing. (laughs) Is Kelly Lynn here? Kelly Lynn's got to see it too. I can't begin to express my gratitude to you for not doing that. So it sounds strange to us, but people with these sorts of skin diseases did present themselves to priests in the first century. But I said that it would still be strange even in that setting because typically you only showed yourself to a priest after you tried some sort of cleansing ritual or whenever that rash or the boils seemed to be getting better. And Jesus sends them to the priests even though they're still covered with their sores or their rashes. So these ten lepers go, they show themselves to the priests, and as they're walking to the priests, they find that they're healed. And one of them, one of them, turned back and went to Jesus and thanked him. Which leaves us with the question, why didn't the other nine go back? And I gotta tell you, People have come up with a lot of different reasons as to why these nine kept on going. Some people have suggested that because the one was a Samaritan, he worshipped at Mount Gerizim instead of Jerusalem, which was a shorter walk, so maybe he had time to go back and thank Jesus before eventually showing himself to his priest while the other nine had a longer journey ahead of them. That one sounded complicated to me, too. Half of you are like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Others have pointed out that Because the other nine likely worshipped in Jerusalem and Jesus was traveling to Jerusalem, maybe they figured they'd just catch him when they all got to Jerusalem together and they'd thank him then. Some people wonder if the other nine just figured they got healed, they got what they wanted, so why not go on their merry way? Well, when I first started reading the Bible, a teacher pointed out to me that sometimes we have this temptation to try to identify with the heroes in a passage immediately. Like when one of Jesus' disciples seems to grasp something better than the others, we might have the tendency to think, well, if I were there, I definitely would have understood. I'm that one disciple. Silly other disciples. So sometimes it's important to intentionally try to identify with what this teacher of mine called the losers in the passage, which seems harsh, but you get the idea. So for the last couple of weeks, I've just been trying to be sympathetic to these other nine who went to their temple to show themselves to their priests without going back to thank Jesus. 
And I've been asking myself, would I do that? Why would I do that? Under what, what circumstances would I do that? And over time, I started to realize that these nine didn't go back to thank Jesus. They were only doing what Jesus told them to do, which was go show themselves to the priests. Not only that, but they showed a lot of faith in Jesus because they set out for this journey to their priest without any signs of healing yet. In short, why didn't they go back and thank Jesus? It wasn't because they lacked faith in Jesus. It was because they had faith in Jesus. And because they were doing what he said to do. And maybe this is overly sympathetic to the nine, but I think that maybe they kept going because they were just trying to follow Jesus, using the patterns and rituals that came along with that. But even in the midst of their faith and obedience, they forgot joy and gratitude. So as overly sympathetic as that might be, I think it shows a trap that we can fall into, which is that sometimes following Jesus using the patterns and rituals that we always do can sometimes cause us to forget to be grateful or joyful. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that patterns and rituals are bad. And if you don't believe me, let me draw attention to the fact that I'm wearing a robe. Do you know when else I wear a robe? When I'm taking out the dumpster. Different robe, different circumstances. I'm wearing a robe in public. And throughout the service, we're going to pray prayers and sing songs that have been around for hundreds, sometimes thousands of years. I'm all for rituals. I'm all for routines. I'm all for patterns. But sometimes these things that are designed to help us worship God can cause us to forget to be grateful or joyful in the midst of them. And so I'm glad we have examples of people who remember as they're following the patterns and rituals that we can do so with joy and gratitude. Whether it's a guy singing an overplayed song to his girlfriend like it's the first time anyone ever sung it, or it's a leper who throws himself at the feet of Jesus in the middle of a cleansing ritual, we need people to remind us what a joy it is just to be able to participate in these things. And I get it that rituals and patterns can be frustrating or even exhausting because we think things like, seriously, another meeting? Seriously, that person is talking in Bible study again? Seriously, they brought that to the potluck again? Seriously, she wants me to read Goodnight Moon to her again? Yeah, that one touched a nerve in the first service, too. Seriously, he wants to eat at that restaurant again? And so we need guys with guitars and coffee shops and lepers to remind us to remind us of what a gift it can be just to live out these patterns and rituals. We need kids around us who seem to have a wide-eyed wonder about absolutely everything. We need people later in their lives around who have prayed the same prayers and read the same scriptures for decades and still find joy and strength in them. We need people who challenge us with their joy and excitement to look at something in a new way. Where our rituals and routines have caused us to fall asleep, we need people who wake us up with their reckless gratitude. And more than that, we need to realize that these people won't be where we expect them to be, or where we want them to be, or who we want them to be. Because the shining example of buoyant faith and joy and gratitude in this passage was a Samaritan leper. 
And I'll remind you, Samaritans were deemed traitors and heretics, and lepers were deemed untouchable. But Jesus reminds us that sometimes it's those very people who wake us up from our rituals with their joy and gratitude. Amen? Let's stand together.